Welcome everybody to another episode of the Nerd Continuity, where we talk about design, development, and all the other stuff that we find online. I'm your host, Alex, and with me, as usual, my co-host, Chris Perko. Hello, Chris. Hello, how are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. How are you? Pretty good, and enjoying this this lovely, rainy, wintry, nasty weather we're having. <laughs> oh, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like something you would enjoy, but it's fine. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, also here in Vancouver, the weather has been so crazy. Like, we had snow for two weeks straight, which it never happens. Wow, yeah. And then it started raining and snowing at the same time, so everything turned into a dump, and it was just, like, <laughs> bad and soggy and wet. And the snow, it wasn't really melting, so we had just, like, ice and puddles of half snow half water it's just gross it's just terrible walk in and a lot of people was were like falling down because of the black eyes oh wow yeah yeah whatever crazy weather yeah uh we finally did uh i need like another episode just after two weeks which almost never happens which yeah it's crazy <laughs> i know we're terrible at keeping to a schedule yeah it's okay no it's it's fine like if we we have a, a pretty freaky and hectic schedule ourselves so it's it's kind of yeah. hard to try to have consistency in meeting but we did it so yeah. yay good for us yeah and and last episode you were talking about something that you weren't ready to announce yet yes uh so tell us uh what your secret is yeah i spilled the beans on a podcast last yeah. week where i was interviewed <laughs> um so i'm starting uh next month as a lead UX architect for Mozilla, the Thunderbird project, the email client for Mozilla. That was the super secret thing. <laughs> Basically, I'm changing job and I'm, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm starting well, to work for Mozilla. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you. It's, it's insane. Uh, it's, it's really interesting how, how it happened. And mm-hmm. uh, just to quickly touch base upon it is that a lot of people, they, they constantly like tell me, and they always told me, like, why do you release free stuff online? Why do you put all your source mm-hmm. code on GitHub? Why do you do tutorials for free? You're not going to get any money. You you should sell your things. And I was always, no, it's fine. Like, I don't need these. And I like to share it. And I like to just help other users. But because of my approach of sharing everything and having all my source code, that what kind of, like, put me in the spotlight for mm-hmm. this role at Thunderbird. They literally contacted me and they told me, we know you, we know what you do. We just want to talk to you and offer you the job, basically. So oh, wow. almost no interview whatsoever. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best way to do it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like it's I think it's it's the best resume that you could get, like that, mm-hmm. that you could have for yourself. Like having all your work outside and showing how you work and showing your source code and especially ending ending up working for an open source foundation like Mozilla, mm-hmm. it like showing that you really care about open source by doing all these open things. It's right. It's amazing. So yeah, that happened and I'm still freaking out. I don't know <laughs> what's gonna <laughs> happen and yeah, so if the next version, I keep repeating this, but if the next version of Thunderbird is terrible, you know who to blame. 
Yeah, we'll we'll come after you with pitchforks and torches. Yes, absolutely. Um, so for for the young uh, for the young people listening to this, uh, Thunderbird's been around for forever mm-hmm. uh, as like a an email client. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is it written in? Uh, it's a bit of a mess. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I could be wrong because I didn't you know, like I didn't thoroughly investigate the the source code, but it's mostly mm-hmm. written in C. It's like it's a code base that started in 1999. And wow, yeah. something that a lot of people don't know about Thunderbird is basically it's Firefox with on top all the email functionalities. So every time there's a new release of Firefox, uh, the entire Thunderbird team has to be sure that nothing is broken and everything mm-hmm. works. And um, But yeah, so the majority is written in C, but there's a huge refactor going on for all these front-end functionalities like the calendar integration, the fact that you can sign up and automatically set up your email with your Google account, all these things, they need to be refactored in JavaScript Mm -hmm. because it's faster and just small snippets and small implementations of the application. And uh, that's mostly why they hire me and mm-hmm. uh and also thunderbird has been around as you said for many years like 20 years or something yeah has a user base of 25 million users or something like that which is insane because like who uses thunderbird like that was my yeah. first <laughs> like honestly my my <laughs> honest question like who still uses this yeah, I think I stopped using it when like Gmail became popular and it was like, you know, oh, you, you can do all this stuff in the browser now. Yeah, true. Um, but, but I do know some people that still use Thunderbird and I was kind of surprised when I did hear that they were using it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool to know that they're, you know, wanting to revamp it and, and really, uh, you know, make it more modern. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's the main goal. And that's what it basically what's going to be my main purpose at the company. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, uh, creating a proper user interface and refactoring the usability and the user experience of the entire application because it's been developed for all these years and so far the process is always the same like a user uh, creates a bug report or something hey there's a feature that it's missing a wish to have this feature in in thunderbird and a developer takes that, implements it, it goes through all the testing and approval and then it gets shipped so it there's not really a design step in that. Mm. It's all developers or users request based implementation. So right. there's no proper like prototyping or user testing or not user testing, um, like front end testing with JavaScript technology, something that's missing, something that I will uh, push a lot and everybody in there is going to hate me because <laughs> <laughs> no we need to do prototypes no <laughs> we'll right. see we'll see how it goes i'm still like super confused about that's going to be uh the day-to-day work but i'm, I'm mm-hmm. super excited about it awesome well i'm looking forward to seeing a new version of thunderbird i'll, I'll install it once you have your first release yes i will start using it for work <laughs> every day so i can just mm-hmm. uh see where to improve it. Uh, moving on, there's mm-hmm. a interesting note that you wrote here, and I'm going to read it like verbatim. You wrote, spooky story of how Google Home pranked Chris. Yes. <laughs> Tell us everything about it. Sure. Uh, so get your snacks, turn out the lights. Yeah. Um, so this this fall, uh, Black Friday, Google is doing really good deal on a lot of their, their devices. Uh, so I know it's terrible for privacy, but I was like, let's let's get a Google Home, you know. 
Uh, so we have a, a Chromecast on our TV that we use to cast Netflix and YouTube TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a Google Home Hub in our kitchen, which is like a kind of like a little mini tablet. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we have a like one of the little speakers in our bedroom, and we use it to turn on and off the lights and and play music or whatever we want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's been great. So a few weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. it was late at night. We were watching TV. We had the volume turned down low. We were just kind of sitting there talking. You know, it was around eleven thirty midnight. And, um, and all of a sudden just from our kitchen is just screaming and growling, like super loud. And me and my wife are just like freaked out. Like, what is going on? Like the first thought that went through my head was somebody hacked my Google home. Like oh my <laughs> somebody God. in the building is like hacking us or something. And it was super loud. It was freaking us out. So I ran over to the kitchen and on our little display in the kitchen, it was playing the movie it. And it was a scene where like the clown is like killing the kids or whatever. What? And uh, so I immediately like stop it and I'm like, I'm really freaked out at this point, you know, like what is going on? So then me and my wife were trying to like recount what we were talking about. And so what happened was she was talking about, she was talking to some coworkers at work and they were talking about some music and one guy didn't know what the song was. Uh And she said, it wasn't until I played it that he realized what song I was talking about. I don't know why Google thought that she wanted Play to it. play the movie it that was happens to be on tv um and on top of all that why it didn't use the chromecast that we were already casting to it decided to use this other device and turn the volume way up <laughs> oh my god but it was it was really freaky and uh yeah it's uh, interesting <laughs> oh god yeah i i would i i, I would have simply run out of my apartment and not go back <laughs> just change it find another apartment just yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's it do you want your stuff no i don't so like oh my do you unplug it at night or you leave it on all the time uh no i leave it on all the time there oh. there is a a physical switch that you can turn off the okay. microphone um you know i don't know if it actually works <laughs> <laughs> it's fake switch <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, but no, I, I don't really care. I don't, I don't think we ever talk about anything that uh-huh. I worry about the government listening to. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a little, a little freaky. Oh my God. How long did it take you to figure out what was happening? Um, a, a couple minutes of, of me, like looking at the screen, like, why is this playing here? Why is it so loud? <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> Jeez. Terrible. Oh, so wow. So be careful what you say around uh, Google devices. Yeah, that's the thing. It's um, I have I have a couple of friends that they have the Alexa uh, hub, the Alexa little tower, and they all ended up putting it in a closet after a while, after a couple of weeks, <laughs> because it was uh, catching like random bits and pieces of conversation. Mm-hmm. And it was like playing music randomly or triggering orders to Amazon or sending emails notification. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like it's the downfall of the always listening functionality, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're fine and you don't actually have a crazy clown in your kitchen. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing. Survive. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Based on our um, last episode where we talk about a couple of interesting projects that we're working both on, we have a couple of questions coming there. And one question is for you uh, and also want to know how's your projects going. So uh, the commentatory boy interesting nickname wrote (laughs) so chris is creating a sort of like heroku like app but for wordpress and laravel apps 
Uh, I guess not exactly. Um, you know, Heroku, I, I believe you can use it as like a production environment and you can, uh, you know, they've got a CLI and everything you can post things to, which I mean, maybe something down the road I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really more for just, uh, you know, I want to share progress, uh, a project in progress or, you know, here's my final project, but I want you to see it before we actually put it on our production server. Mm. Um, and this kind of takes takes away the need for you to stand up your own VPS or mm-hmm. get a hosting provider to give you an extra space and set up your subdomain and, uh, you know, whatever you need to do to get that WordPress site or Laravel application up for a client to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, in the day we're in, you don't always work with people down the street. Uh, my last client I was working with is in Puerto Rico. So, Ooh. you know, I can't just go down there and be like, here's a site. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, so it's just kind of a quick way to say like, all right, here's a repository for my WordPress theme. Stand me up a WordPress site, give me a URL and I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. So it's a, like a live environment, like live demo environment for you to test before actually pushing to production. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, how's it coming? It's going all right. I haven't worked on it a whole lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been meaning to, but I've gotten some, a little bit of the, U, the initial UI in place. Uh, my name right now is code stage i don't know if i'll keep it mm-hmm. or not um but uh yeah it's it's been fun i've been playing with view a lot and kind of really just taking my time and refactoring components and trying to get it the way that i kind of want it to work as opposed to just pushing through and getting a, a project complete yeah interesting uh, so yeah it's it's been fun and, and i'm looking forward to continuing it nice nice yeah looking forward to seeing it and actually using it and let's see it. um another question that we have which is not really a question but it's 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 a suggestion we were talking about akira which is the <laughs> linux design application and i'm trying to kickstart and i'm trying to make it happen um a user the N2Fole00, I guess it's his nickname, uh, suggested to try Pencil and he's using this software called Pencil by Evolus, Evolus, whatever. Uh, he says he's not really at the same level of sketch and mm-hmm. he hopes Akira will be. Uh, there are a lot of users that suggested to take a look at Pencil and also a lot of, on Reddit, a lot of users said like Akira is not necessary because we have Pencil already, just keep working and keep extending that. Uh, so I, I know Pencil, I use Pencil, but first of all, it's a, it's a project that hasn't been updated in two years. Like there's no commit, mm-hmm. nothing. It's sort of like, I don't think it's a dead project, but it's not really um, extended and just I- improved anymore. And also, once again, is a JavaScript application. It's an Electron app as well. Uh, as a lot of interesting things, you have a library of pre-built uh, toolkit UI that you can simply drag and drop and you can create, like quickly create a prototype without actually designing any- anything because you have a lot of pre-built library elements, but it's an Electron app once again. And as soon as you start, having more than one design or two or three different things in the same page, it gets so heavy and so hard to manage that it's not, it's definitely not worth investing time in this. And so please stop sending me pencil <laughs> <laughs> links. Hey, you did, yeah. did you try pencil? Did 15 emails in 20 minutes? Yes, I tried it. Stop it. Yeah, that's the thing with Electron is just it, you know, it's a cool idea and Visual Studio Code seems to do a great job with it. I, I don't know how, but, uh, you know, they, they use a lot of RAM. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unless you've got 
you know, 64 gigs of RAM or something that you're... Yeah, you can run okay. Slack and Visual Studio Code at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, I know that Visual Studio Code has some bits and pieces written in C, if I'm not wrong. Oh, okay. And the majority of the front end is written in JavaScript. So it's a, and it's a kind of like a hybrid Electron app. But... Um, yeah, Visual Studio Code, it's an, an amazing achievement that it's super light and fast and it's not heavy at all. Uh, but it's it's still slower compared to Sublime Text. Sublime Text is completely written in C++. Mm -hmm. And if you try, I, I do a lot of like find and replace on massive amount of data, so especially when I have to transfer a database from... Um, from a site from, to another, like a WordPress database, I have to replace the URL because WordPress still stores the URL <laughs> inside the database, which I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, so I have to do a find and replace sometimes on a, on a database file, an SQL file that weights two to three gigabytes. And mm. in Sublime Text, it takes 10 seconds, 20 seconds. It's really fast, it doesn't freeze. On any other, electron base id or code editor it takes i don't know half an hour sometimes it crashes wow. <laughs> uh, yeah no it's not it's like on extensive really heavy computing things electron like falls behind yeah um and i had also in the past some some issues with extensions from uh, visual studio code like the vue.js front-end extension uh, they were like, if they're not coded properly, your CPU start going at a hundred percent and stays mm -hmm. there until your computer crashes. So it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty terrible sometimes, mm -hmm. but yeah, nonetheless, Visual Studio Code, it's, it's a pretty great example of how Electron apps should be or should behave, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, it's always felt pretty lightweight. I've never used Sublime, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's always felt very light. Uh, until you add like 50 plugins and <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> yeah that's the, that's the terrible downfall uh okay moving on we have some juicy news or something that i don't know how to how to handle this uh <laughs> do you do you want to start with the first news sure yeah so gutenberg phase two and you know last week you were talking about how you were embracing gutenberg so i want to see how how you re have reacted to this news of them rolling out phase two and, and i know a long time ago back before phase one was even complete we had had a podcast and we talked about how this how gutenberg was not a page builder it was mm -hmm. just for the content uh and now it's it's looking like it is going to be a page builder they're wanting Yay. you to be able to do the widgets with blocks and the menus of blocks and it's the customizers blocks everything's blocks uh, so it's, uh, it's some really weird news. It's kind of hard to comprehend how this is really going to work. Um, you know, most of my posts are very short, so I don't have more than, you know, 10 or 15 blocks on like the content, mm -hmm. but if the menu, if every menu item is in a, is a block within a block and like, uh, you know, like a mega menu, how are all these blocks going to work together with the sidebar? And, you know, depending on your site, you could just have dozens of blocks. So how is that really going to affect performance? How many JavaScript and CSS are yeah. all going to be loaded over the wire? And I don't know. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's interesting. You're you're thinking, oh, this this is not a, a 
a theme builder. This is not a page builder, and that's exactly what they want to do. So, uh, my my main my main question is: I'm not really concerned because I think WordPress learned a lot in the past two years of what they did about Gutenberg, and they changed a lot of the the wrong things that we were doing about Gutenberg. And the block editor improved a lot in the past, even like three months or since mm-hmm. WordPress five was released. Uh, the problem is that that the um, and I don't know if it's actually a real problem, but the fact is that Gutenberg right now in the block block editor just only like ha- behaves that way in the admin area. So you have your admin area, the content, the post, the pages, and everything is dynamic with React and JavaScript. But then the actual content in the front end is just text. It's just HTML spit out right. with PHP. But now that also the widgets and the menus will be handled with a Gutenberg type of approach, with a block type of approach. So we're going to have a lot of JavaScript in the admin, but also how are we going to deal with that in the front end? If we have some custom style with CSS, some custom uh, Mm -hmm. uh, animation or some custom behavior with JavaScript on the menu or a specific widget, will like do we have to enqueue all the things or gutenberg or the block will enqueue in a self-contained thing by itself or everything is going to be in the header everything is going to be in the footer uh, so what's going to happen are, are we going towards a fully react wordpress front end or a fully react wordpress admin area mm-hmm. yeah and it, it's still early so i guess we'll we'll see what happens mm-hmm. um uh, but it'll be interesting. I, I, I'm curious to see what it's going to be like for theme developers. Because uh, yes. right now, you know, you're in charge of theming the whole site and you can and you can do some things to override the content from Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. But if all of a sudden you're needing to make sure that people are, if people grab your theme, which I don't even know what a theme is at this point, just, you know, a general layout, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are the, the menu widgets going to look? How are all these things going to work? And... Or is it going to be more like, hey, I want to build my own theme. I'm just going to grab the the 2020 skeleton theme, and oh, here's like all these different menu blocks I can install as plugins. Like, mm-hmm. pick the one that you want styled a certain way. Um, and if that's the case, I think a lot of WordPress sites are going to look like Wix sites where people are just oh, yeah. kind of grabbing different <laughs> styles and themes and mashing them together, and you know, yeah, indeed. And uh, also these will definitely break backward compatibility forever. Already Gutenberg did it, <laughs> a massive break in backward compatibility pretty much for mm-hmm. everything content related for all the page builder and the, the theme builders that were heavily relying on the content editor, the tiny MCE. Uh, now with these widgets and menus, pretty much, yeah, all the page builders, they have the ability to customize those. So uh, is WordPress putting the foot on the ground or the developers are saying that's it like it's time to go towards the future uh stop with backward compatibility so from five going on it's gonna be keep breaking things for past versions yeah and and i would think that in my opinion if they wanted to go forward and break the backwards compatibility i i'd rather see them like refactor a lot of the php uh, yes, you know a lot of that core code is is terrible. It's a mess. Um, 
you know, like some of these functions that take like 20 parameters or whatever. It's like, yeah, on, they man. don't respect any PSR convention. At yeah. All. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, that's that's an interesting point of view. And also, um, I'm actually studying a Gutenberg series this week. I recorded the first two videos oh, and nice. already the approach of implementing a custom block. It's super weird because it's partially JavaScript and partially PHP. And you have some unique in queue block PHP actions that are identical to the in queue style or the in queue script of WordPress. So you have literally a function with 10 parameters, and you have to pass those specific parameters, and you have to enqueue it in the admin and in the front end. Plus, you need to create the React file and compile the React file and enqueue that JavaScript compiled in order to use it. So it's just. It's, yeah, it feels like they're going forwards and they're trying to improve the front end, the React part, and new technologies, yeah, but the PHP approach is still old as hell. And yeah, it's not optimized. It's not, it's, yeah, it doesn't really, it's kind of weird. It doesn't make sense. But what we know, like our all our predictions are always wrong, mostly. Yeah. So. <laughs> We don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, we have no idea what we're talking about. And we're just complaining because oh, things are different. We don't like things different. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, no, it's it, it's really interesting. And we'll see. Do, do, you, do you think WordPress will ever go fully object-oriented programming or will still remain procedural mostly? I don't know. I, I feel like if it was going to go object-oriented, it would have done it by now. It's so old already and... Mm. Uh, I, I would love to see it object oriented. I think uh, AWPS is a, a great example of how that can happen. Yeah. Um, but you know, AWPS is kind of just like you're t taking the the bad stuff out of WordPress and wrapping it nicely into objects that are <laughs> yeah, and easier to use, right? So, I mean, I think they could do the same thing where they leave all that the same and then kind of extract it mm -hmm. to another level where it's object oriented. But I don't know. They seem just so focused on just Gutenberg that. Yeah, the front end mostly, right? It seems like uh, they're more concerned about allowing regular users and like not developers to visually build new themes and new websites or manage the website visually than actually giving developers new tools and modern approaches to, uh, to build custom themes. So it feels like there's a little bit of ownership. And also the fact that WordPress, it's a fundamentally, it's a PHP application. It's a PHP CMS. And it doesn't work out of the box with Composer. And it's also not recommended to, do, to use Composer on plugins, mm -hmm. which is something that bugs me so much. If you use Composer Autoload or Composer, the env.env package on a plugin, it will conflict with another plugin if it uses the same. Uh, it's it's terrible. Like, why? <laughs> How yeah, is that? That, that's very frustrating because there's a lot of Composer packages out there that can, you know, do what you're already looking to do and you don't have to redevelop it. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, why not allow you to do that? Yeah, that's um that's a really good question. Well, I guess uh 
let's move on from Gutenberg and let's see what's going to happen in phase two, three, four, five, and where Gutenberg is going in the future. Uh, in the next bit of news, we had Figma, which is kind of like the industry standard leading industry application for user interface and UX design, just announced with Pride, which I don't understand where the Pride is coming from, a <laughs> new 40-40 million round C funding for the design application Figma. It's like, okay, a lot of questions. First, it's amazing. Okay, you got 40 millions in Series C, so mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the tool will evolve and so many cool things will, will come from it and developers and designers will benefit from it, absolutely. But my main question is, how is it possible that you still need to go through raising funds to mm -hmm. have your kind of like top of the industry application still up and running? Yeah, that is a really good question. I, I don't understand it either because, you know, they're already at a point where they're selling subscriptions, they're making money. Um, if that we think they're making oh, money. We think. <laughs> maybe, maybe they like don't it. have any users. And, <laughs> Everyone is just on a free starter. They have like millions of accounts. It's, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if they're going to take this money and use it for advertisement or for, um, you know, going to a whole bunch of conferences all over the, the world and putting up booths and you know, that kind of stuff mm -hmm. uh, just to get more users. I, uh, I'm not exactly sure what, what they'll use it for. Because, uh, I mean, it seems like the development is at a place where it's, you know, sellable. Absolutely. And uh, a lot of users, a lot of designers are switching from Sketch to Figma because of the collaboration aspect of Figma. Uh, it's an Electron app. It's something that pretty much every designer can use it, no matter if you have it installed it or you can use it through your browser. Google Chrome is recommended because it's like it's more compatible with it. Mm -hmm. But the collaboration aspect is amazing. Like you can literally have five, six designers at the same time on the same file working and modifying, you know, the car. It's like working on a Google Doc but on a design file, which is amazing. And it's literally like, it's the industry standard, like all the agencies and top designers are using Figma and Figma is well known and recommended its use. So I guess, I don't know why you like, there's this misconception that if you get a round of funding of millions of dollars, it's a good thing. No, it's not. It's a really bad thing because you're selling away your company and mm -hmm. you're you're just making more debt. It's not that you're making more money. You're just making more debt, something. And $40 oh, yeah. million, dollars, it's a lot of money. How how, how are they planning to? <laughs> like, yeah, the person giving you $40 million either once that 40 million back plus interest or they want stocks because they, they believe that it's going to be worth a lot of money mm -hmm. at some point. Um, my first job was at a, a startup and one of our benefits was stock options, which uh, you got all the stock and then you had the option to buy it at a certain rate. And it was really cheap. It was like, you know, five cents a share. And they're yeah. like, Oh, here's, here's thousands of shares. You keep getting more and more. And you're like, Oh man, like one day this is going to take off and I make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Well, the company didn't do well, and so we kept getting more and more funding from our investors. And at some point, it's like, oh, yeah, I've got, you know, 40,000 shares. And I asked, I was like, how many shares are there total, like that between the investors and everybody? And it was like 
3 billion shares. I'm like, well, now my, <laughs> my tens of thousands of shares is like worthless. <laughs> See, you know, the like, 0.01%. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, nothing. I can't even sell it for more than I can buy it for, you know? It's, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that's, that's the problem. It's uh, yeah, no, I don't understand. I think it's, it's all like this main concept that you have to scale and grow as fast as possible mm-hmm. uh, because like, and I, of course, we're talking, it's just we're like, it, these are all hypotheses or like feelings that we have because we don't know the status of Figma. We don't know what's behind the team and how is the actual financial status of this company. But if, you're, if you're, your application is the industry standard and you have a massive user base, worldwide user base, and you have a, a subscription model, something. So I guess you get paid. I guess you make money. What's mm-hmm. the point in making more depth just to speed up the development, just to, to boost and instead of like growing slowly and steadily and owning your product and not having debt, not has not have to think, oh, I have to go grow 10 times more in the next five years because I have to mm-hmm. pay back the investors. That's something that can destroy your company, seriously can damage it especially mm-hmm. with that amount. So yeah, I'm not I'm not happy about this news. Um yeah. I I consider Figma like an amazing tool. I didn't know it wasn't a profitable company. I I wasn't aware yeah. that they were still doing funds around and that's a serious C. So it's the third round of funding that they're doing. It's, yeah. it's scary. It's scary as hell. Moving on. Yeah, um, so some news from Bootstrap. Uh, don't know how long it'll take because Bootstrap 4 took many, many years. But Bootstrap 5 is removing jQuery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is exciting news because, uh, you know, you can you can do a lot in vanilla JavaScript without needing jQuery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to use Bootstrap 5, uh, you know, jQuery is just another dependency that you have to load in. It's, you know, another JavaScript file that has to be sent to the client mm-hmm. to get everything working and with Flexbox and CSS Grid, you know there there really should be no need for some of the stuff jQuery does. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think you really don't even need Bootstrap for a lot of that. You know, with the <laughs> columns and things. You know, <laughs> you just use uh, just use CSS Grid and you're you're good to go. There's your dual columns. I lo- I love it. You should write it in the pull request that they're working on. Like, <laughs> but let's step back a little bit. Why do we need Bootstrap? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's it's massive. Actually, I was looking at the pull request that was created on August 20, 2017. So it's more than a almost a year and a half ago, like more than a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, they, they move slow. <laughs> well, it's, it's an open source project. So what can you do? Uh, that but, is true. But yeah. they did a lot, like considering for the rep, like from the report that they wrote, like all the alert buttons, carousel, the drop down, the modal and popover, uh, the tool tips are all uh, vanilla JavaScript. Now, uh, what's missing, of course, is updating the recommendation, mm-hmm. uh, remove uh, the Internet Explorer compatibility, uh, make sure that the old version, there's no reference. So they're targeting Bootstrap version five, version four will be, will still be with jQuery. And it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, there are a lot of interesting comments though, because these 
this upgrade, this update has been going on for almost two years now. And a lot of users, they were saying, uh, Bootstrap is good because it's it's really approachable and it's really easy. And the fact that jQuery comes with it, it's really like the learning curve, it's pretty much flat for anyone. Mm-hmm. And jQuery, even if it's not the latest, coolest thing ever out there, it's really stable, it's solid, it's easy to learn. It's pretty much mm-hmm. in every CDN available out there. So it's really fast to load. It doesn't slow down your your website if you use that a CDN true. because yes, jQuery is heavier than another framework or another library, but you're most likely, because it's been around for 20 years now, you most likely won't uh, like embed it directly in your website like WordPress does. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, 20 years ago, it revolutionized web development. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, especially like they came out with like the jQuery animations and everything oh, yeah. back before yeah. CSS animations were really a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was amazing back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, a lot of users are questioning, why did we spend almost two years on this? instead of having like Flexbox or CSS Grid or something mm-hmm. like improving Bootstrap to make it lighter and and more approachable for the user instead of like stripping away the jQuery part, uh, which took like a lot of development resources from the actual development of Bootstrap. But, oh, yeah. Mm, it's interesting. Like I, I'm, I'm interested to see how many bugs will (laughs) come out from version five, because that's one of the things of jQuery. Like jQuery has been like this for at least five to six years. They didn't change the API. Mm -hmm. So you know that something that you code with jQuery still works today. You don't need to test it. You don't need to refactor it because it's so solid. It's fine. Now they, they rebuilt all their JavaScript with vanilla. So how many bugs and missing things are going to happen in the new version of jQu- of, uh, of Bootstrap. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a very good point. That's going to be uh, mm-hmm, it's going to be interesting, but yeah, do you think jQuery will like disappear sooner or later? I don't you know, I I thought it had, but <laughs> I <laughs> I I see this all the time where people are like, "Hey, you know, I need some help on a project. It's you know, uh, it's it's HTML and jQuery and PHP and, and man, like it's it's still around. Like mm-hmm. a, lo- a lot of people still use it as opposed to you know Vue or React or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think one day it will, but uh, I think it'll be around for a long time. Yeah, I guess so. Well, considering the web is running on like websites that are twenty years old still, yeah. so still that and you like i read something on your twitter that you were looking to refactor or to upgrade from laravel version sorry from angular version 1.3 to 1.7 and something yes yeah so we're uh we're using a an older version of angular and Mm -hmm. um you know i kind of like look through documentation and it's it's a lot of text upgrade Mm -hmm. so i was just kind of reaching out to see like are there is there any like really major breaking changes before i kind of get into this um, you know, because Angular 1.x is quite old and it's coming to end of life. So mm-hmm. uh, we need to kind of get it up to the last uh, like stable version that they released um, just to keep our security and everything up to up to speed. Yeah. Um, and it just looks like it's going to be such a pain. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess like it's a similar situation with websites that is still or application that still use jQuery because mm-hmm. you probably 
for how big is your application at work, you don't want to refactor it completely and strip out mm. Angular and use React or Vue. They're more modern, but it's not really worth it. Like you need two years of development just to redo it completely, oh, yeah. right? So yeah, this, this application is three years old. Um, yeah, I would I would love to upgrade it, but three years of you know four developers working on something full time. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah, yeah, it's over a decade of of work time basically. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> so yeah, I guess we're still gonna see a lot of applications and websites using jQuery for the same reason, right? Like yeah. refactoring is not. So I, I don't think like jQuery will die completely. It's it's a sort of like it's considered by their developers like a stable project, something that doesn't need constant updates and constant upgrades to keep up with the technology. It's impressive that jQuery can run on Internet Explorer and it works super smoothly <laughs> and it works as well on the latest version of Chrome or Firefox. So mm -hmm. it's it's impressive from that point of view. So I don't think it's going to die, but probably it's not going to be maintained because actually it doesn't need to be maintained as much. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And yeah, I'm really curious about Bootstrap. How also that's gonna be like a major <laughs> backward compatibility, <laughs> like breaking change, right? Um, oh yeah. So all the things, uh, no one is caring anymore about their own things or their old stuff. <laughs> Everyone's like, it's going in a new thing and whatever. It's okay. Uh, the last bit of news, uh, the Laracon online is starting on March 6th and the tickets are just $25. Uh, I pretty much attended all the Laravel online, all the Laracon online because they're great. You can stay in your pajamas and couch yeah. and all the speakers are amazing. And you probably don't, not probably, you, you're not going to have all the uh, hot news and latest announcement that you can have if you actually attend the Laracon, but it's a really great online uh, sort of like workshop presentation of all the, the, the extra stuff. And there are a lot of great speakers. And I, last year probably was like four hours, five hours or something like that, even more. Yeah, this year it, it's like all day. And, all day. Uh, wow. Yeah. One one great thing is uh, if you buy the ticket and let's say you're in Europe or or someplace where because this runs like I think it starts like at nine Eastern time till like five. Mm -hmm. um, everything is going to be recorded and available for you to watch afterwards. So if you are in a time zone where you can't watch it live, you can watch it. You know, the next day mm -hmm. if you purchase a ticket. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, like I'm really excited to see what. Adam Wathan is going to present the creator of Tailwind CSS mm -hmm. and also Westboss, which... Yeah, Westboss is going to yeah, be the He always says, I'm always the guy who talks about JavaScript on a PHP conference. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah. And I think Taylor's going to be talking about some new features in the newest version of Laravel. Mm -hmm. Do you have any more insights or possible, like... Uh, predictions of this new Laravel vapor or vape oh. or whatever it's gonna be. <laughs> I haven't thought about it in a while. Taylor's actually been kind of quiet on it, so I don't know. I think he'll probably ramp up closer to July mm -hmm. once we get closer to Laracon US. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm still gonna say it every like every CMS. year. CMS. <laughs> so let me ask you this: uh, Last year he was ramping up Laravel Nova. That now we know mm -hmm. it's an admin dashboard sort of management system that you can build it. 
and he was using constantly the emoji of a wave. Why? What's the connection with that? No idea. I have no idea what goes through his head and why he tweets these things. <laughs> it's just to, to throw us off. Everyone was like, oh, Laravel wave, Laravel yeah. surf, Laravel something. No, Nova. Uh, and the, the graphic of Laravel Nova was like all like sort of like space related, scientific, like mm -hmm. with a satellite and a moon or something. So no connection whatsoever with the emoji that he uses. So Laravel yeah. with the vapor, with the vape emoji that he's using, it's probably not gonna be a thing. <laughs> it's gonna be called something completely different. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he's gonna give everybody those uh, those vaping things that all the kids are doing these days. Oh, really? Uh, they're still doing it? Uh, <laughs> they're not like, this, there was a new study that they're, they don't cause cancer, but they cause pneumonia or something yeah they're still pretty bad for you and apparently in the u.s right now we're, we're having an issue where you're supposed to be 18 to buy them mm -hmm. uh but a lot of kids are getting them and they're so small that they you know they can take them to class or whatever and um so wow. yeah there's there's been a lot of like uh health issues there so great love it yeah, yeah. it's just new ways to arm ourselves because yeah whatever <laughs> it's fine <laughs> life is short let's make it shorter um, okay, let's move on on the main topic that you you picked the main topic this week and it's really mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, so I'd seen this a little bit on social media, but recently I've seen a lot of people kind of standing up against it and um, it's the whole like, well, you're not a real developer because of blah, blah, blah. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think social media in a way, in our field, I feel like most of the time people are very constructive and, uh, you know, oh, that, that looks great or here's a suggestion or whatever. But there's there's also the people out there that you know somebody might be like, oh like you know I'm looking for a front end job and I'm I'm really great at CSS. People just be like, CSS isn't a real programming language. You're not a real developer. Ah. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it's like, uh, have you done some of these hard things in CSS? Like, yeah. have you tried vertical alignment? Um, <laughs> you know, so yes. <laughs> and our our field is very very broad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't just be like, well, you're not a real developer unless you're developing in Rust and Go. And, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's there's so many different things, um, you know, from the front end to the back end, databases, design. I mean, there's just so much stuff you can't possibly know it all. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people that are kind of coming out and they're just saying like, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, I only do PHP and I'm a real developer. And, you know, it's kind of like... Yeah going after these people saying like you know stop stop putting people down for what they know yeah you know everybody's learning this is a, a field that changes constantly um and you know if you're doing any kind of coding you're a developer well, yeah, no matter what, what skill level if you just started last week you're a developer yeah absolutely there are like even people that they do some crazy stuff with spreadsheets and like excel files and those could be considered developers with all the algorithms that are right. Those yeah. are insane. Uh, but yeah, no, even if you write HTML, you're a developer. It's fine. It's just, it, first of all, it's just a name. It's a title. It doesn't represent anything. It doesn't represent yourself as a person or your skill level, something. And I noticed this trend also in between the same field. So you said if you don't work with PHP, you're not a developer. But even PHP developers, they attack each other by saying, oh, if you don't use 
uh, object-oriented programming is just procedural. You're not a real developer. Yeah. Oh, you're not using the ternary operation spread functions or say, so, oh, you don't know these things, so you're not a real developer. It's just write the magic functions like get and post and that's it. Oh, that's not real development. That's just preposterous. It doesn't doesn't make sense. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty silly. And I like coincidentally connected to these, I noticed another trend on, on Twitter that a lot of people were getting like not getting jobs because they didn't have a computer science degree. Even if like there were these users like have been coding for 10 years to 15 years mm-hmm. and the employer was only looking at my degree. So I didn't have a computer science degree and I wasn't considered a proper developer, wow. it, which is super stupid, especially today, like probably something like 20 years ago, it would have made sense because the only way of learning programming and computer science was going to university, was going to school and learning there. But now really you can have a coding bootcamp or uh, some, like even online, you can learn it. You can close yourself and just like lock yourself in the house for three months and code every day. And that's it. You can learn whatever you want. Oh, that's true. And I mean, uh, you know, I I do have a computer science degree, Mm -hmm. but where I work, um, my architect who's above me does not have a computer science degree. Mm -hmm. uh, And I don't think our two developers do either. And these are bright guys. They're great developers. Yeah. Um, And to to not consider somebody because they don't have a degree, Mm -hmm. if you've got experience, I mean, that that speaks volumes. That that speaks a lot more than just a piece of paper that you got Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was. Um. I don't know how it works in the U.S., but it was interesting the difference between Italy and Canada when I moved. Like in Italy, when you get hired, you go through the process. They really look at your degrees. If you want to do something that is not related at the field of study, it's pretty much impossible to get into. Instead, when I moved to Canada, I was like completely afraid and terrified. Like, oh my god, I have to redo all my degrees or have to translate my degrees or something because they're not recognized but they didn't wow. care at all it was just oh you've been coding wordpress for 10 years okay yes that's the job offer we need a wordpress developer yeah yeah and i mean uh and also when i when i went through computer science this was 2005 to 2009 um it was all Java and oh uh, my god, <laughs> you know, Perl and stuff, stuff that I've really never used in my career. Yes, um, you know, so it's any of the PHP I did back then was nothing like the PHP that we use today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they taught concepts like object oriented concepts. Yeah, but in terms of like the actual like hard skills, mm-hmm. you don't learn any of that stuff or you did, but it, everything's changed. Yeah. I mean, what we use next year is going to be completely different than what we're writing in right, right now. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, I don't know. I think it's a good way. Like if you don't have experience to mm-hmm. kind of get your foot in the door, but if people have experience, then it, it should be easily overlooked. Yeah. I think the next generation of developers, like those that are currently, they are like 20 ish, something like before 30, like 20 until like, 
up until 25, 26, 27, where they're going to go in management roles or like higher roles in the next 10 years, 10, 15 mm -hmm. years. I think the trend is going to change because I see a lot of these resistance from really old developers. The old way of thinking that because in the old age, if we want to call it like that, and in the old times to become a developer, you needed really like five years of studying some crazy obscure things now is not like that anymore it's like the the pace and uh, the speed of learning and the speed of new technologies how everything changes it's, it's not necessary to be yeah to have that approach so yeah i mean i guess kind of going along with that the last thing i'd have to say on that is is like uh working remotely telecommuting oh uh, you know, a lot of companies still, they want your butt in a chair mm -hmm. nine to five and they want to see you working. If they can't see you working, they don't think you're doing anything. And um, I think a lot of companies are starting to change mm -hmm. in kind of adopting the, the remote work, um, which, you know, like living in a city like Atlanta where the traffic is horrendous, like I can't imagine like having to drive an hour each way to work mm -hmm. after working remote for the last few years. And um so yeah, kind of going along with that old mentality, and like you said, like these younger people becoming managers, and yeah, um, you know, it's like I can video chat with you and have a meeting right here. I don't, I don't have to go drive all the way to the office. And, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, this thing also, and I think the tech industry, like it's responsible for that, or like they, we're kind of like destroying the economy a little bit with this approach, right? Because we like all these for example there's t tech giant there's amazon or there's google or there's facebook that they have these uh, like the, the the headquarters in california los angeles new york whatever and so all the people that they have to work there they move there and mm -hmm. because you work for this tech giant you get a lot of money then you invest those money or use those money in those areas so the prices go up for all mm. the people, even though the, the people that don't work for these tech giants that don't make the same amount of money, so it gets pretty much terrible. And it's, it will always be like that until we're going to go fully remote because there's a friend of mine that he was working here for, a, for a, a, a tech company and now, and he was making a lot of money, And but Vancouver is really expensive. So for the amount of money that he was making, he wasn't having... Uh, like a sort of, I wouldn't say luxurious life, but it was okay. Uh, sometimes it was struggling to, no, it's better. I'm not going to go out tonight because I don't want to spend too much money in like beer or something. I'm going to stay at home. Now he moved to Mexico in a, like a small town in Mexico and he's going to work from there with the same amount of money that like here in Vancouver was an okay amount there in that town in Mexico is like a stupid amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the economy is changing. Imagine if you can work for like uh, at a really high rate in a in a town or in a country where the price are low, you're going to like things are going to change faster. You're going to change the economy. You will be able to invest the money that you're making in your local area. So it's not it's not going to be like it's right now that just New York, Los Angeles and all these big cities are mm -hmm. stupid expensive and everywhere else is stupid cheap because no one lives there because no one works there. Yeah, I, I had thought about doing that myself. Um, 
we went to a, my wife had a conference in Australia a few years ago and, mm -hmm. and we just loved Melbourne. And I was like, man, if we can move here, like the U S dollar to Australian dollar was strong. Yeah. Like I could still work for my company remotely get paid in, in U S dollars and the, and I'd be worth a whole lot more in Australia. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I went to San Francisco a few years ago and I remember on my flight back, I was reading the magazine and it was saying that it was so expensive to live there that people were living in Las Vegas and flying to work every day because it's cheaper. No way. Staying in San Francisco. Oh my God. And you see these developers that are making $200,000 a year yeah. and they're sleeping in their car in the Google parking lot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're making two hundred thousand dollars a year, you should be able to afford at least a, an apartment. Yeah, at least yeah. <laughs> or two cars. If you want to sleep in a car, at, at least buy a car for sleeping and a car for driving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's the thing. It's the overpopulation and the fact that everyone has to be in the same place to work mm -hmm. on these companies. But remote working will change the economy drastically, and will it will improve it for sure because. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's not like in the past that, oh, we're not going to be farmers anymore. So let's all move to the city and let's all work in the city in factories and things like it's, right. it's not like that anymore. It doesn't work like we're now we're too many. <laughs> the traffic is insane. The renting is insane. You don't have enough apartment. There's not enough space. Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as there's a little bit of snow and or the trial, like that there's some sort of like small emergency, the stores are completely empty because everyone starts buying in a frenzy like everyone freaks out and they buy everything so you oh, go yeah. <laughs> you go to shop and other store buy some fruit no we're out of bananas okay yeah we had the snow apocalypse a, a few weeks ago where we were expected to get snow and uh atlanta is a little freaked out because a few years ago they got snow and people were like trapped on the highways for like a day and a half whoa and so all the schools shut down the day before the university shut down people were raiding the grocery stores and we didn't get any snow it was it stayed above freezing the entire time like we didn't get any ice it was it was crazy but they were so freaked out by it that they they shut everything down yeah yeah i'm curious to see how it's gonna evolve the messaging kind of thing because right now we are all in these like instant messaging approach mm -hmm. for remote working so everyone it's constantly online on slack as soon as they send you a message you have to answer immediately but uh a lot of people are not happy about it and it makes sense because it's super distracting, especially for creative work or programming work. You need yes. to be focused two, three hours nonstop. Otherwise, it's it's just like multitasking is not a thing. It's just you're distracted on many different things. You're not productive. Um, yeah, we'll see. For example, like Mozilla, they don't use instant messaging. They use email or the IRC chat. Mm -hmm. And it's all really like sort of like slow pace, but productive slow pace, which is an approach I never had since I moved here yeah. in North America. Yeah, I think especially like when you get into like a senior level developer position where you are interfacing more with business people and they want to be able to contact you and be like, oh, I've got this idea for a feature oh or my God. I'm having this bug or whatever. And it's just like, well, like, can you just send me an email and in two hours I will respond to everything. But mm -hmm. It completely distracts you. And then when you finally get back to programming, it's like, what was I doing? Like, you know, yeah, like, no, it's um, totally agree. It's, it's intense. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to adapt. Like we're not, 
we're not really good at ad adapting, right? We're not. <laughs> we we kind of do, but as soon as there's a new shiny thing, we <laughs> first we destroy it, and then we say, okay, now we should think about how to use it properly. So, <laughs> yeah, remote working is good, but it's not, still not great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Uh, okay, so we are at the end of the show. I have one simple recommendation of the end of the show uh, to listen to another podcast because, yay, competitions, it's fine. Um, the podcast is called Grumpy Old Geeks, and they're, it's, it's, uh, it's done by two former developers. Uh, they've been working on, like, really crazy big sites in the past, and now they just do podcasts and do other things. But it's great because they they they're really grumpy they're grumpier than us and 